Slider there. Hi, welcome to the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Eskin, along with Liberty Baez's own Mike Levin. And a day where, after the the big announcement yesterday, it has. I I don't know why I didn't take it as hard as it seems like everybody else took it. But the Joel Embiid broken foot story has thrown a real wrench in the psyche of mostly optimistic Sixers fans. And you and I, I haven't talked to you at all. I didn't read anything that you thought of it. So your thoughts on all this is it's going to be new to me. Most times I'm going in knowing what you're thinking about certain things, but I don't have any idea. So give me your hot take. Uh, Well, yesterday when it happened, I was like, oh, it's a broken foot. Maybe he'll fall to three. Yep. Like, this isn't a big deal. Like, everybody relax, not a big deal. And then once once you start talking about, like, uh, okay, this is this is a chronic thing. This is, you know, it could be, you know, once everybody has to put on, like, their medical hard hat and, like, pretend like they know what the fuck they're talking about. Yep. It just, it just makes things sad. I, I had only just gotten over, like, okay, and beat back, fine. It's going to be fine. It's going to check out. It's going to be fine. And like I just gotten over that, and then now it's like, hey, stress fracture. Uh, so like over the course of the day, I went from like, no, this isn't a big deal, to just like devastation. Like last night, like Sharp got home, and I was just like morose on the couch, <laughs> just, just so sad about everything. Because then being such a good dude too. Uh, and I watched him play all year, and I was just like, I just want like I want this to be like a thing. Um, so uh, the honest answer is I have no idea what's going to happen. Um, Jake Kowalski just, just broke a story on Liberty Ballers minutes ago, uh, that a source, uh, told him the Cavs are still not, uh, ruling out the possibility of trading, uh, of picking, uh, Embiid first or trading down to three and then picking Embiid at three. Um, so nobody knows. I mean, really, nobody knows. Like, he just had surgery or is having surgery. Um, it's it's just like how much, if you're the Sixers, do you want to risk drafting another seven-foot injured guy when the last two years have had that exact thing? Uh, it's... I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Everyone's like, well, this makes the draft more interesting. And I was like, the draft is already fucking interesting as hell. Yeah, without without one of the best guys having yeah, a potentially be more disastrous like, injury. We were good. Um, I'm not downtrodden in a way that means like they're not going to end up with a good player, which is not the case. Um, so, I mean, it's going to be fine. It's going to work out. I just think it's a better draft class and uh, a more certain thing if Embiid was not injured. Yeah, I do think it is not funny, but the irony in you finally deciding you were over Every it. time. Yeah. Every time. Oh, it happens so often. <laughs> you were like, I'm it. You know what? 
Screw it. He's going to be fine. I'm in. Embiid's the guy. Smoke screen. Double smoke screen. Hinky. Embiid. They're going to do it. He's the guy. He's number one on his board. He's boom. It's almost like you broke his foot yourself. I might I might, may as well have. Yeah, th- this, this feels th- like it happens every time. As I, soon as I get on board with the guy. Or do, not on board with the guy. Do you ever have like night yeah. terrors or anything? Like, like, can we rule out the possibility totally that once you decide you're in on a guy in the middle of your sleep, you find him and injure him? <laughs> do we? Do we? Can we be sure that that doesn't happen? It didn't happen I, here. I don't think we can be sure of anything. No, I wouldn't rule that out. <laughs> I I would say my reaction was similar to yours. You know, I, I was here, you know, I luckily I work at a place where we talk about this stuff all day long. So when it happened, the the reaction in the office, I was like, ah, they were like, you know, first with the Embiid possible broken foot. Like, what do you think now? I'm like, I don't know. Maybe we get the best guy at three. I mean, how great yeah. would that be if we get Embiid at three? Nah, I'm fine. It's fine. Yeah. Whatever it is, it's fine. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. It's totally I would, fine. I would have loved a broken foot. A regular broken foot? Yeah. But then you start reading the articles, and you're right with everyone chiming in. It's like somebody tweeted at me about blood flow to that bone. I'm like, well, you just fuck off. Like, I, I don't <laughs> Like, first of all, I don't want to read. I There's too much. There's so much information about every injury and so much yeah. that we don't know. And and the, the the funny one that I read all the time was like, well, because he dealt with the Yao Ming thing, and like, can we not pretend that Yao Ming is the only guy ever to have this injury? I talk about like misappropriating the amount of risk that it is, and I don't, I don't know what the risk is, but but to say that because it haunted Yao Ming, that it will, that it necessarily means that you know there are plenty of injuries that haunt guys. There are guys that have like chronic sprained ankles. Of course, yeah. you know. So I think I think it'll have an impact just because he was there yeah. for that. For that period, I don't think it'll mean. I don't think it'll mean he won't pick him or he will. I think it'll just have an impact in some way. Yeah, I. Yeah, I, I agree. I. I just. It's just funny that we don't know what the impact is. You know, maybe he knows. Yeah. You know, I don't. So, I and I also don't buy. It's funny that Jake posted the story when he did because I was really not buying. I love the 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 stories that started coming out. It, you know, dropping out of the top ten, and I, I just, I, I I'm just not buying it. I'm not yeah, listen, at all. Listen, if he, if he, if Embiid uh, falls to ten, which I don't think will happen, but if he does, there's, there's no way the Sixers don't take him at ten. They there's have to. No way. Yeah. It's it's too. He's too talented to to not if this is a if a fixable thing, but I don't think you can. I don't think you're the Sixers. Based on what's coming out, and again, I'm not a, a medical man, uh, but I don't think you can take him at three and have two injury-riddled centers on your roster right now. I think you need you need to hit with a little more safety at three, which sucks. It's funny you say that because I look. I'm going to roll with whatever they do at three. If they end up. If they, if they end up taking him at three, I'll just decide. But I can tell you, it's funny you say that because one of my questions for me, it does appear as if there's, first of all, I don't buy that Cleveland is, is wants him. I, I just, I can't buy that they like 
because there's a legitimate possibility that he will not play this year. Legitimate possibility from what you read that, you know, this is a six to nine to 12 month injury or whatever. I just, I'm not buying that Cleveland is, is in on taking a guy that could potentially, that the best thing for him may be to not play at all next year. So, but for the Sixers, it's interesting in that, and maybe it's just because I recently spent thousands of dollars on season tickets. But, but the notion of drafting another guy, and, and it, it's not even it's not even drafting a guy who has an injury, and and I'm worried about him being injured in the future. That isn't the 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 worry for me. Like the first thought was, oh my god, you you know, like they're going to draft a guy he's not even going to play this year, you know, and and it just it feels like it would. I know this isn't totally a real concern or should be part of it but it does sort of ruin a little of the momentum that you feel like you'd be having if your your overall pick the superstar guy is a guy that potentially doesn't even play this year yeah it would be a real bummer at, th- at three that'd be really tough to yeah think, yeah i think but if he falls a little bit like either to 10 or he falls to like six and the sixes are like fuck it it's worth it and they try to move up a little bit to get him for like you know and like bad in a second and like 32 or something then I'd be like alright let's roll like let's, let's let's give it let's give it a shot let's roll the dice but let me, three it's, it's separate I think let me ask you this if this is a ridiculous stupid hypothetical but let's let's roll with it anyway if I were to tell you if Joe if you take Joel Embiid he won't be able to play this year but that injury will heal as if it never happened and he will be ready for the next year would you take him? At three? Yeah. I mean, obviously there's no way to know that. Yeah, but, but yeah, let's Yeah, 100%. Okay. If it, if it was just, if it was like, he rests this year and he's fucking fine, which like might be the case. A lot, apparently, and I, I, I hate talking about this, because you read an article and it tells you one thing, and then you yeah. read another, another article and it says, no, so you don't know, and I, I don't know. But from shit I have read, it's like, usually, and this is what happened with Odin, Usually was like players rush back too soon because it, it starts to feel better before it's actually better. Yeah. Evidently. Yeah. And so they rush back too soon, and then it keeps bothering them. So, so the the deal with this, like, is if you give it like really serious proper rest, then it can go away. But you have to give it like time, and the best case, the best place for that, I think, for Embiid himself is the Sixers. Because they let Noel rest for 20 months after an ACL injury, and I think they would do the same for Embiid for the you know better part of his career. So if if that is the case, if it's, I mean if that's like hey rest him for a fucking year, a full year, and then he'll be fine, then yeah, then yeah, I I I, I would go with him at three. So which is just fine. It's like a summer tradition in Philadelphia. Draft yeah. like pick up a seven footer. That doesn't don't play. plan for you. Yeah, it's just, and I'll get I'll and, get his jersey. It'll be great. Well, and let's. I'm sure he'll be fine. Well, mostly sure he'll be fine. But let's also remember, Nerlens Noah still has not played. Like he, <laughs> yeah. he exists in our mind as if he is playing, but he still has not played a competitive basketball game with the Sixers. Not preseason. Not anything. He's playing. I oh, know. He's playing. I'm he's just playing. saying. In my head, he's playing. He's been great. <laughs> it's been the best. 
So what this does, obviously, the other thing that it hurts uh, that we that we haven't even spoken of, but the other thing that it hurts is the the possibility, which seemed realistic all of a sudden, of Andrew Wiggins being there at three, feels yep. not impossible now, but seems far less likely than it it did, you know. Yeah, I thought hours I ago. thought it was almost a sure thing that he, that if that I think he won Wiggins three, he would have been there for him. Um, I still think it's possible. I think the scenario is Cleveland takes Jabari, Milwaukee takes Exum, and then Wiggins is there. But the thing is, nobody knows like what Hanky wants. Like I, the, there's five guys that that I would be that I think Hanky could take, and it's Embiid, Wiggins, Exum, Parker, and Aaron Gordon. Those are the those are the five players I I. I could see him taking three. I cannot Aaron Gordon see. at Aaron Gordon at three, really? I could see I could see that happening, yeah. I could see a world in which that happens. Um I cannot see him taking Julius Randle or Noah Von Lay at three. Um I don't think that's realistic. But the other guys I do and you know, maybe you trace that I here's the, the ultimate thing and people have called me out rightfully so, on just being like just very confident in Hinky and sort of like trusting him to the point where like sometimes I don't even have an opinion about things. I'm just like, ah, I'll get it. But like, I think, I think he'll just get the guy he wants. Like, I think that's what it'll, it might cost a little bit more. It might cost a couple second rounders or it might finally cost that. But like, I think he's going to end up with the guy he wants and I think it's going to work out and I'm not super concerned unless of course not i mean I, I guess this doesn't change it but unless of course the guy he wanted was Embiid, and then maybe maybe it was a glut right after that i mean i i trust him in the sense that i i think people miss misinterpret at least i'll i'll sort of define my trust in it and you can say whether it's similar i don't trust that what he does is absolutely going to work i trust that he will make like that that his decision is well thought out and is a good yeah. decision. That that's all I can do, and is a better decision. So a lot of times when I'm like, well, he'll, he'll do whatever he can do. It's just like sort of a resignation to where like, well, I he knows more than I do, and I, yeah. I know we're sort of in the business of talking about what we think. But at the end of at the end of it, it's still like, well, you know, I like him. I think he's a smart guy, and. He doesn't have enough of a resume here for me to question it, for, for me to say I, I don't trust what he's going to do. So I, I don't know that it's going to work, and I'm sure that the people who who don't trust him, if it doesn't work, will come back in two years and you know show me pictures of all the stupid fucking T-shirts I made. But <laughs> but but still, that's that's sort of where I sit with it. It's just nice for me because my whole life has been spent questioning management. And like hating what, what like lack of a plan there's been in pretty much every Philadelphia sports team for me. Um, and now that I, to have a guy that I just like absolutely, this is like the he's the first person that like I'm like oh yeah he's for sure smarter than me like he knows much more than I do about this. I didn't I didn't think that with like Ed Stefanski and uh, Billy King like. And like Ruben Amaro, like these aren't like I never thought that. Now I'm just like, oh, it's it's like a load off my back 
Like, it's like I had all this responsibility beforehand or something. Like, it's just like, oh, you got it, man. Do your thing. I'll just sit here and, like, think about what I think about. And, you know, once you do the thing, I'll just think what you think. How about that? Let me ask you this. If Chip Kelly and Sam Hinkie were in a room together, do you think they could move physical objects just by concentrating on them? Yeah, with yeah definitely with their mind. Yeah, sure. <laughs> All right. So the other thing that has popped up in the last 24 hours is the Sixers' potential interest in Marcus Smart slash Dante Axum slash playing one of them with Michael Carter-Williams slash trading Michael Carter-Williams slash acquiring another pick between 3 and 10, which would likely cost them Michael Carter-Williams. So I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I, you know, the thing with point guards, the thing with trading Michael Carter-Williams is I don't think they're going to do it, but I wouldn't have a real huge problem with them doing it. I, I'm 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 mostly sold on Michael Carter Williams, but I'm sold in in the fact that you know, it just seems like every when when you try to rank point guards aside from the ones that are way better than everybody else, there's there aren't very many teams that have shitty point guards. You know, like yeah. it seems like 25 teams I could look at it right now. I was sort of taking a gander earlier, but lots and lots of teams have good point guards. So I don't know. I, I I wouldn't be. I'm not so sold on Michael Carter Williams that I'd have a heart attack that they traded the Rookie of the Year. Though here is my 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 reason that I I don't believe that they're going to do it. That I believe that Sam Hankey has sort of a hammer on anything that can happen in the organization, and that goes with any sort of marketing whatsoever. And the fact that they are sending out lots and lots and lots of stuff to press fans and otherwise that has Nerland's Noel and Michael Carter Williams on it, I think is something that was run by him. And I think it, it leads me to believe it's less likely that he would trade Carter Williams, but that's just me. Yeah. I think that I don't think if a deal presents itself that blows him away, that he would be like, no, we put him on the pamphlets. We can't. No, you, no. I think, yeah, you I, trade, I think you trade him. Uh, I think there's, there's an interesting blowback of people that are like, there's no way he's going to trade him. And it's like, well, he traded Drew last year. Like, that surprised everybody. I don't know how you can say with any certainty that, like, Michael Carter-Williams is here and going to be here forever. Um, I like MCW. I think he uh, he certainly, if you take, if you say take away last season, he certainly projects as worse than Marcus Smart and MCW and uh, Dante Exum. So if you say his his prospect status coming into last year, the, the 11th pick in like a pretty crappy draft, um, these guys project better. That's just the case. Um, and if you take last year's season, like he did a lot of things well, but he also did a lot of things not well. So, it's uh, you know, he has a full body of work at MCW. He knows him. Uh, the idea would be similar to you know when the Eagles like let back in like the you know mid early mid two thousands uh, when the Eagles like let go of like linebackers and like basically like, Trotter and like Hugh Douglas like before like while they were still good 
or while we thought they were still good and like everybody got pissed off and then they went off and like sucked elsewhere and they're like, Oh, I guess they were, I guess they were right about it. You know what I mean? Like it's a bummer. It would be a bummer to trade him um, because he just won rookie of the year. And I think the fact that he's a more known quantity than Marcus Smart or Dante Exum means uh, there's more inherent risk in trading him for them. Um, but the other reason I don't think they're going to trade him is I'm, I'm currently, I don't know if you've been following along. It hasn't happened yet, but last year the uh, SB Nation had a mock draft uh, between all the blogs, and uh, and I went like insane and like pulled off a couple things. And this year, it's also happening. So I'm going insane and like uh, like talking to other blogs about like trades and um, I actually made a bunch of trades. I can't talk about them uh, yet because it's super secret. <laughs> But uh explored the idea of trading MCW uh, in a bunch of ways, and there's just not many people that you can't do it. Like You can't just trade MCW for the Lakers' number seven pick because the Lakers don't have a pick next year, so they can't trade the pick. Right. So in order to trade MCW, you'd have to get... Somebody else in. First, yeah, you'd have to get a first-round pick to trade to the Lakers. Or yeah, you have to get somebody else back. There's just, like, I, I can't see... I mean, Boston's like, hoarding all their assets to go to... Uh, Minnesota and either of those at six wouldn't want MCW since they have Rubio and Rondo. It's just like there's not many locations for him, I don't think, that make it worthwhile. There's no one like, well, that's a hell of a package. I can't really see it um, at this point. So I think, I don't think there's a way that they get like real proper value back for him unless like the Magic love him, in which case like I could see Magic like Old Depot MCW is a backcourt. Would be pretty cool, um, but I don't know. I I, I don't think it's going to happen. Um, I think if they draft Exum, then it it would be like, hey, let's see if these guys can play together. And if they can't, then let's trade one of them. I think it might be might be the thought process there. Um, but I, I don't think I don't think uh, drafting one of those guys necessarily means that NCW is gone. Um, but I don't think. I think there's a world in which he could be at some point. Let me clarify that I don't think he wouldn't make a deal because he put him on the brochures. I just right. think that his the likelihood that he believed that he was going to trade him had something to do with that. That's all. I don't yeah. want to make too big a deal out of it. It's just that, you know, it it was telling at a time that when there were no players on any of the Sixers billboards and that's when they still had good players like Thad wasn't on it or Evan wasn't on it or I did say good players um I'm sorry uh Thad wasn't on it Thad wasn't on it so you know (laughs) well and it's telling that Thad is not on any of the the material sent out this year whatever and then the other thing that I, I wanted to say is that trading MCW and drafting Smart or Exum is not necessarily about thinking that smarter Exum is is a an upgrade over MCW, but it's also thinking that you're also filling another position with another high level talent and not losing anything by going with Exum or Smart. So if you are a, if you're able to trade to let's just say there's a a trade that allows them to get that Lakers pick at seven and it ends up costing them MCW and something. And they also get Exum and get that guy at seven and get somebody else at ten. Well, then you've upgraded your team and not lost anything at point guard. You know, so it's it's less about just saying that 
you think that Exum or Smart is such a huge upgrade over MCW and more about being able to add another player at the cost of doing that, I think. Yeah, so. it's it's just a matter of like, I, I don't think it's anything like Hinky doesn't like MCW or Hinky doesn't think he's good. It's a matter of like, yeah, he picked him. Winning, winning is yeah. Winning a championship is like the end game. So if if Hinky thinks he has a better chance of contending with one of those guys than MCW, then like, then he's got to go with it. Like, there's no, there's no, re- there's no reason to be like, well, we already have him. People generally like him. He won Rookie of the Year. We'll just keep him. Like, if he doesn't think he's the real deal, I don't think I don't think it can be assumed that because he picked him last year, he thinks he's a championship point guard. Yeah, he might have just been the best player on, on, on available. So. Big, I'm not. I'm not necessarily sure about that. Big shout out to friend of the podcast and former official WWE correspondent of the Spike Eskin Show, Ange Goldstein, who texted me during our podcast requesting a Ricky for before the draft while we were recording the Ricky. So there you go. <laughs> so I let him know that we're recording it. So there's. So tell him to back the hell off. Yeah. We're in the middle of something. Told him to slow, slow his roll just a little yeah. bit. Just a little. So, what do you want to do first here? Do you? I, I don't. I don't have any more. There's. There's. A, I have a, a few things left. But next, I, I had either anything on the ten pick or the at least delve into briefly the Sixers Wiggins press cops fiasco. Yeah, I want. I want to hear what you think about about the Sixers Wiggins uh, <laughs> beat writer fiasco. I don't okay. even want to talk about it. I just want to hear you talk about it. Okay. Well. I guess there's, I have an interesting, I guess, perspective on it in that I'm a fan. I do this podcast as a fan, not as a media member. So I would like to get that out there. So I have that perspective. And then I have the other perspective as working at WIP as program director, which I do. So I am surrounded by some people who were very upset with that whole thing. So I will say that fan spike does not give two shits if they tell fans and press to take a hike. Beat it. Get out of here. Um, shoot bullets at their feet so they dance and get out of there quicker. I don't care. Whatever. I am totally one million percent in on the fact that, and as I explained to, let's just say I explained to my thoughts on this to a WIP host who didn't necessarily agree with me. That, you're not going to say. You're not going to say which host. No, but I will say I, I argued with my my father about it. But I'm not talking about this. But the ascent, the argue, the discussion with my father was a lot louder and less. I'm sure. Less, hey, who's your father? Just one more time. Uh, Howard Eskin. Oh, okay. Was a lot louder and less reasonable than this discussion. But my point was this: is that this is how Sam Hinkie feels about it. Is that at one point in the NBA, he and guys like him were way smarter than everybody else. And yeah. it was easy to be better than everybody else. Not easy, but there was a noticeable difference between a between them as a personnel guy and like Doug Collins as a personnel guy. But I would say so. But as as years have gone on and people have started to catch up, there's a lot. There's less difference. Even though we feel like we have the smartest guy, the difference between the smartest guy and the 10th smartest guy is a lot closer and a lot less than it used to be. So Definitely. every little edge you can you can get, every tiny edge you can get is worth it. So, 
because it sometimes it's a collection of those small edges that add up to a big edge. So his ultimate goal, which is what we talk about all the time in this city, is that all we care about is championships. His ultimate goal, whether it is freezing out beat writers or telling mm-hmm. fans to go away, is to win a championship. So if that's what he's trying to do, then just, I don't care. Then let him do it. I, I, don't, I don't care about the quote. And it's funny, I saw a quote from Dante Exum that said that one of the teams that he met with had talked about playing a two-point guard lineup. And it's exactly that sort of thing that guys say that may, or it, maybe it doesn't, you know, cause any difference. May, you know, maybe you don't lose an edge, but maybe you do. And if you do, then it's not worth it. And by comparison, when the Eagles bring in guys to talk to and work out with before the draft, they don't make mm-hmm. them available to the media. Like that, that, that doesn't happen here for that. So I don't even understand what the difference is. So that is, so I, I just, I don't care. But, but that said, like, I understand these guys have a job to do, and I yeah. think the Sixers probably like need to communicate better. And 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 if you're going to do that, you know, if you you need to get out in front of it, right? So if you realize the night before when John Clark finds the guy at the airport, and <laughs> you know, you know, like that, you have to wake up and say, okay, everybody's going to know tomorrow. People are going to show up at PCOM. Maybe we shouldn't have the cops riding around chasing them away. Like that might be a bad PR move. And I know PR doesn't have anything to do with winning, but you do have to like I, I will say that that there that goodwill if if you're putting all your eggs in the basket of winning, then you sort of lose all that goodwill stuff. And that stuff is important now and again. So I, I think they, they should have handled it better, but but ultimately, I don't care if if they decide that we are being secretive and you can't talk to them or look at them or whatever. I don't care. That's fine with me. I just think they probably need to communicate that better. So yeah, well, the the, the Sixers from a from a public relations standpoint have done a bunch of things wrong over the past few years. Yeah, starting with like the Bynum stuff and moving on to some misjudgments on the part of our favorite Adam Aaron, who we love, but like heart was in the right fires. place. Heart was in the right place. Heart was in the right place for sure. Yeah. But like some misfires and then some other stuff with the Bynum thing. And then uh, in terms of the of the B writers, which you probably won't mention, but I can because uh, I don't care. I mean, most of what they were pissed about is like them doing their jobs. And that's that's the idea. Like they're the Sixers not letting them talk to these guys or get it or hire a coach in time or Pinky being available to media, all that stuff has been like, hey, we are having a tougher time getting quotes for our jobs because your guys are being secret and it's dumb to us because we want to do our jobs and you guys are being secret and we don't understand why. Yeah. And, but their, their cries of injustice of like, I forget who someone tweeted about, like, uh, and my, I don't even think it was, I don't, I don't remember who it was, so don't even quote me on it, but like, Someone said, like, underpaid reporters uh, waiting outside, like, stuff like that. And it's like, the fans don't give a shit. Like, yeah. we see we see these guys talking. We've seen Hinky talking elsewhere. We don't need to get generic stock quotes from, from those beat writers. It's not like they're asking the tough questions. They're not like, like, the thing you could say about John Mitchell is that, like, he really came at 
Doug Collins a couple times, which was funny to watch. Yeah. Um, but like most of the time it's just like, Hey, here's a quote. Like, what do you think? Here's what I think. They're, they're not like world, world breaking quotes. They're just like, let me, let me do my job, which I get from their point. I get, but they, what they try to do is like infuse their anger onto the fans. They're like, yes. you guys should be pissed because of all this. And it's like, no, we don't really care. I get that you want to do your job, but it doesn't really have an effect on us. We see these guys. We can watch Draft Express and watch all these videos without you. Th- you know that, what I mean? That was ultimately my point to my father as he was walking out of my office yelling at me. I said, <laughs> I said, nobody gives a shit but you. That's what I screamed at him. I was like, nobody cares. Nobody, I said, you, I, I said, you and blank and blank are the only ones that care. You're the only ones that care. Um, so, so yeah. And there's, let me throw the other wrench in this is that it's also a hilarious story. I mean, you know, yeah. Like the fact that they were chased off by campus security and police with Andrew, it's, it's, it's it's amazing and hilarious. So, so, you know, so that's that's that. So that's sort of how I feel about it. I think my feelings on it are predictable. And my, my, you know, my, I mean, this is, has been a long fight for me with me. And I mean, it, it's... It, your, it, your dad's not a hinky guy. He hates, he doesn't like hinky. No, yeah, hinky. yeah. Well, and it, even it's throwing him aside, like I got in an argument with a, a pretty well-covered argument with Angelo and Rhea on the air, um, screaming at them. Um, about the the secrecy, like I wrote a thing. I think the title of it was the only the like. Oh, I remember this. This was last year, right? Yeah, the the only the fans do not care about the six or silence. And I basically, um, you know, called out beat writers and and said that and ta- and our very own talk show hosts and said that they were using their own frustration. They were taking their own frustration and framing it as the fans' frustration, and the fans. And that's what it is. Yeah, and that's the what it is. and the fans don't care. And we we they, they screamed at me on the air that I didn't know what I, I was talking about. So th- you know, this was this is a long thing for me where I just you know, and this is a difference just in you know generationally. I think that there is a for sure. you know there's a just a difference in, in and this. This came up like with the tanking stuff. Yeah. Um, in in the way that like. Beat writers were like, hey, this is fucking bullshit. This is stupid. This tanking doesn't work. And people still talk about that. Like John Finger tweeted after Spurs won the championship that the Spurs never tanked, which is wrong. But he said, you know, tanking doesn't work, all this stuff. And it's like, it's not because they disagree with the plan. It's because they want to cover a good team. And if the Sixers are losing 26 straight games, then like that's not fun for them, which I get. But I think I, I I've never been a beat writer. I have no interest in being a beat writer. It seems like a really thankless, difficult, annoying job, and I don't want to do it ever. So good for those guys for like fighting that and doing what they have to do. Like I respect them for what they do, but it, I, it's way too hard and thankless for me. Uh, but like I think what you have to do is separate your own personal like politics and like idea of your job of from what the best interest of the team is. Like, that's my thing. It's like, you can see the best move for the Sixers wasn't to stay 40 and 42 for eight more years. But, like, that's what you want because at least, like, they're going to limp into the playoffs and you can cover a playoff series. Like, I think it's fucked up. I think it's, like, just wrong. That's, mis- that's misrepresenting your opinions as how it will personally affect you. 
less than like what the best interest of the team is, which is theoretically what you should be writing about. Yes. Right? Yes. Am I right on that? Yep. And I, and I honestly, I wouldn't have a problem with them expressing their opinion. Like when they express their opinion just as a media member, like, yeah. what are you doing to me? Like you're, you're making, that's fine. You're allowed to bitch about that. We all bitch about our jobs. They can yeah, bitch about their jobs. That, that, that's, I, I understand they're making your job harder. I don't think that's fair. I, I understand why they're doing it. I don't think it's fair. I think they should have. Trying, trying to make the, trying to make the, like everyone's upset about this and yes. you guys are ridiculous. You, okay, so let's talk about this because you you sort of were the white knight defender for this, but that hot that hot take from your boy no. uh, at NESN yeah. really hot on yes. fire. I like I had to go like take a shower afterwards. Well, can I ex- can I explain my defense of? Yes, of course. So of course, his name is Ben Watanabe, and you probably saw like depending on where you read it, you know whether it was Deadspin or or on NESN, it was like the. You know, the the Sixers being, he compared it to like a war in Nigeria and people starving and stop taking yourself Tony, so seriously. And Tony Gwynn, Tony Gwynn dying. Yes. And if you remember, my first reaction to it was tagging him in it and replying to you and saying, I didn't expect such a hot take from you. Like, yeah. I will say, I thought his column was ridiculous and silly. Yeah, it was a hundred percent ridiculous and silly. It really was. My, well, wait, for people that haven't read it, yeah. uh, it's just basically saying like the Sixers are being so fucking secret about everything and taking this so seriously when like people are dying in Nigeria and there's unrest in Iraq and uh, like Tony Gwynn died. It, like it sucked. And then he's like, have some fucking perspective. Basically. Yeah. But by saying that, it's like, well, no, you're the, you're the one that doesn't have any perspective. That's you're exactly proving the opposite point. Yeah, so it was really funny and pretty obvious to everyone that read it that this is like the hottest take of the year. Andrew Sharp, my roommate who writes hot takes, uh, was like, "This is the hottest take of the year." He he, he called it out. So six, six months into the year, hottest take of the year. Take it away, Spec. So what I was saying in that I have had Ben on my radio show before. He he is or he's from here. He went to Temple. But he covers the Celtics now. So he's worked up there for a while. And I've I've also had like offline conversations with him when he's always been. The reason it was so surprising to me is that he's always been like ultra super mega reasonable, like almost too reasonable that when I would read his stuff, I was just like, like he was super. So it struck me as as like really out of the ordinary. And my only point was, I wasn't just reading, I wasn't just reacting to you, but like there were a lot of people like going after, going after him as like, what an idiot. Like, and I just think that sometimes the, the internet cool kid gang can, can like, can snowball and all Mm -hmm. of a sudden we're like calling this guy out. Like instead of going, oh man, this is silly. It's like, what is this guy doing writing for them? Like, like, and it's just, he's never written anything before that is anything remotely like this. And all I can say is, first of all, I just vouch for him as a guy and as a writer. I don't think this was him. Um, second of all, the only other thing I can say is that his job is not like beat reporter. His job is constant internet, like, like content filler. And yeah. sometimes when you're writing, when, when your job is 
to constantly write. Sometimes you have a guttural reaction to something and you write it and you get it out there and a day later or even an hour later. And I have a ton of things that I wrote like this. I'll look Send at it. Send it to me. It, 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 just Google CBS Philly and Spike Eskin. I don't have that kind of time. There, give, me the, give me the bad ones. There I'm are, read the bad ones. And I don't think I wrote very many hot takes, but like... I wrote a thing that the Eagles should sign Josh Freeman. Like, that is ridiculous in retrospect. <laughs> I, might, you know? I might have thought that at one point. Yeah, but like, uh, but all, all no, I'm saying I is... I know what you mean. When, like, you I, know. Listen, I see your point. Yeah, so that's I see your all. point for sure. Yeah. But at the same time, and like, especially with the Cool Kids gang, I, I don't like that. Uh, when I, when people, it actually started, uh, Rich Hoffman emailed the, emailed it to the Liberty Ballers group and was just like, this is the hottest take I've ever seen. And then I tweeted about it, and then it got picked up, and then Dad's been around with it and stuff. So Rich Hoffman started it all. He's, uh, blame him for you know calling out your boy. Um, but I, I think you kind of only get one. It only takes like one really shitty thing to happen to, to for you to be like cemented as like a as like a thing, like across the board. Like whether that's like writing an article or whether it's like saying like whether it's Riley Cooper, like you get one shot, you know? And, uh, and it's this shitty. And especially, especially with the cool kid gang of like going way too far with it. Yes. That's, that's the, that's the bummer. What, what people should be reacting to that is just like, Oh man, this is a hot take. This guy is ridiculous. Like how did this happen? Funny move on. Like it shouldn't be like a, it shouldn't be, you shouldn't be like calling for his job. Like that should not be the case. But I think there's definitely like a, a group think cool kid like pounce on a guy that happens too much. And that's like a bummer. But uh it was really it was really bad, man. It was really, really bad. Uh and and funny and like a shitty way because now I feel shitty, like, oh I'm laughing about Tony Gwynn dying. Like now that now I feel yeah. shitty. Not only do you not only do you make a bad point, but then you make me feel shitty about laughing about it. Yeah, I I, I just I guess my thing was like Look at all the hot takes Greg Doyle writes. Like that guy writes yeah. seven hot takes a day, and poor here's and and like I never no one's like and I'm sure people call him out plenty, but like that here's poor like Ben like like right the guy once and it, it was hot. I mean the, the take <laughs> even talking about it has raised the temperature in the studio. I am, <laughs> but that's I, and I was I never defended what he wrote. Like I think I was I think I even said you know like they're not all. Like everything, they're not all winners. Yeah, they're not all winners. So that's all I was trying to say. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It was just, it was just really funny. Um, we got, we got uh, ten. You want to talk about ten for a sec? Ten. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't have anything to say about ten, but only that the the um the Josh Levine. That's his name, right? Josh Levine. Zach Zach Levine. Levine. Why why did I say Josh? Josh Levine. I went to Hebrew school with Josh Levine. Okay. Um, Zach. the, The 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 Zach Levine stuff is. Like I've decided, I don't like him. So, okay, good. Yeah, good. Um, you know, uh, there's there's been all. a lot of talk about like having to go. There's so many. I don't know how how often you traverse into Liberty Ballers comments, but like, I forget. I I forget who said it. Um, but like, there's so many semantics arguments that go on. Yeah. Down there, like just on a daily basis about like everything. It's really funny because like people are like just trying to prove their point and like this is what I think and it's like well this is what I think like, you guys are pretty much arguing the same thing but just calling it a different thing. Yeah. Um, it's just a matter of like, do we have to go for the highest of upsides at both picks? And Zach Levine is a guy that 
Um, theoretically, has a very high upside. I don't think he does even because I, I don't think he projects well. I think he's just like he can jump high and like theoretically shoot when no one's guarding him and he's fast. I guess uh, I guess if that's upside, then that's upside. But I, I don't see I don't see it, and I don't see him reaching that upside. So uh, drafting him as like a well, he jumps high and runs fast, and like some people think he projects better. Then Gary Harris, who is a guy that, just like for example, Gary Harris, not like specifically Gary Harris, um, the guy that like will just be a, so- I think a solid NBA starter for a number of years. Uh, maybe the theoretical ceiling isn't as high, but the floor, but the chance of him reaching that ceiling is much higher than the chance of somebody like Zach Levine reaching that ceiling. Um, so it's a matter of like, at the end of the day, you you take the player you think is going to be best. I don't think there's there's not like a a quantifiable, here's his upside, here's his upside, go with this one. I think it's a matter of, like, who do we think is going to be the better player? And uh, well, because- that's, who you, that's who you pick. Like, that's the, the, the discussion, like, ends there. It's not like a, there's not much of, like, a, well, do you have to really roll the dice because the guy at three might not be the guy you want? It's like, just get take the best player. Take the guy who's going to be the best player. Yeah, well, and what people forget about upside is that the other part of the, that equation is that you have to... You have to decide what the likelihood they reach that upside is. That's part yeah. of the equation. So otherwise, I could say that who's that that sprinter that runs like a million miles an hour? Um, the guy that uh, you know. Hold on. I got nothing. Jeremy Bloom. No, hold that's on. probably what you mean. No, I don't mean Jeremy. He'd make Bloom. a great basketball player. No, he's got a cool name. Um, he's not from here. I don't know, buddy. I don't know. I can say there are a lot of athletes that theoretically have huge upside if you were to make them basketball players. Like, it's the odds that they're going to achieve that upside. Just the, the NBA is full of guys who can jump. So the fact that Zach Levine can run and jump does not mean... Sure, it means that theoretically, if he were to become a good basketball player, that his that upside is, is higher. But right. But you can't just say... It's not just upside. And that's where you get into things like, like, and, and maybe he will end up being a player, but Bismack Biombo, like, like was like the only thing that existed was upside. It was like, mm-hmm. well, if we teach him how to play basketball, he's going to be great. It's like, well, yeah. you know, not everything is that move that Don Draper movie where you find a, a baseball player in India and teach him great. how to play. You know? Great. So, um, what else? Uh, what else do I have? Uh, you know, Good to have another year, Jason Richardson. Real yeah, qu- huge. Yeah, real quick on the finals. First of all, I've never seen any team play like that ever before in my life no, for an extended period all. of time. But one, I think it was Zach Lowe that brought it up. Sort of, maybe it was Zach Lowe or maybe it was Simmons. It was one of the few interesting points that Simmons brings up is that, you know, so most of the talk about Miami is, boy, do they need a lot of work. You know, like, what do they do? You know, it, it, you know, the, the, their best years are behind them, so on and so forth. And he said, just for a second, let's imagine that Serge Ibaka was healthy and Oklahoma City beat San Antonio, which is both super possible things. Yeah. Like, how ma- would you have guessed that Miami would have beat Oklahoma City? And I would have said yes. And at least it would have been a... 50% chance that they would have been Oklahoma City. So if Serge Ibaka is healthy, 
and Oklahoma City wins, and th- then all of a sudden it's a Miami three-peat. They've go- they they three-peat, go to the championship four times, it, go to the the finals four times in four years, and all of a sudden, like the entire narrative of all of it is flipped on itself. And it is yeah. sort of interesting how one small thing like that, like Ibaka's injury, c- can change the entire narrative for the Heat. So. Definitely. Now that said, I you know I don't know what the Heat are going to do, and I do think they need a a, a point guard and a, a rim protector guy. But I, I think I think it's about it's about who who is like an actual contender and who's playing well at the right time. Yeah, and and San Antonio was that. I mean, you look at like Chicago uh, the Chicago series from a couple of years ago when Derrick Rose and Joe Gamillo got hurt. Like the Sixers weren't a better team. If if, they, if those guys didn't get hurt, then maybe the, the, that team beats Miami. Maybe Derrick Rose hasn't been injured the past two years, and like everything's different. So it's a matter of like who's who's an actual contender because the Sixers won didn't doesn't make them a contender because Miami lost doesn't make them worthless. It's just like you know sometimes teams are playing well and like they're, they 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 every team certainly has weakness, um, and San Antonio's weakness is like they don't have a player that when LeBron is like for sure 100% on like they can't beat them like they they didn't they didn't last year and they they won't next year like if 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 LeBron is the best player in the world and and playing like unstoppable basketball which he like kind of was and just didn't have any help but they still don't have the best player on the court but uh you know it's it's about contending and that's what the Sixers hopefully will do it's uh it's not about like if it's a Sixers if this Sixers team never wins a championship then that, that sucks, but like that doesn't make them less of like that doesn't make Oklahoma City right now not a contender. Surely, you know and, what I mean. And like, it's 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 also that's what it's about. It's also easy to forget how old and done the Spurs looked, you know, yeah. three years ago when they yeah. got when they you know they they got uh, they lost four in a row to Oklahoma City or all the year they lost in the first round or you know or and they, they almost lost to Dallas in the first round. Of yes, the- yes, yes. So let's. You know, let's just slow our collective it, role it, it, a little bit. It's hard to. It, it's so easy to be like, this happened, so like that's what's going to happen. Like this happened, and like this is like gospel. But like, it's 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 really just about like getting putting yourself in a position where you can contend. <sighs> Having a guy like, for example, Dirk Nowitzki, uh, who even at this point in his career is still like a superstar and can like vault his team to like proportions that they shouldn't get to. Um, it's about getting close and then, you know, little things like coaching and injuries and the ball bouncing the right way. Like, it's about getting yourself close and hopefully that's the plan here. I, I just don't want it to be like they have to win a championship or tanking was for naught. Like that that kind of thing. It's it's more it's process rather than results. If you've heard that once or a thousand times since yeah. you got here. Um what, oh, and you know what else? I just decided. Let's trade MCW, draft Exum, and sign Kyle Lowry. You want to do that? Uh, I don't know. I just forgot Kyle Lowry was a free agent. I love Kyle Lowry, but he's hurt all the time. I feel like he's not going to age well. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. There's, there's, That'd be whatever cool going to happen is going to happen, and it's going to be great. Are we going to try to do another Ricky before the draft? Or is this it? Is this the last one? Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll try, uh, and I assume something else will change. Why don't we do one the day of and the day after? Maybe that's what we plan to do. To, we, maybe we just sort of like keep our 
keep our uh, our eyes open, and yeah. depending on you know if somebody else breaks a, f- a bone in their foot, yeah. um, we'll try to get it done right away. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, do you want a quick uh, jigsaw before we get out of here? You got one for me. I'm here for you, buddy. All right. Um, here we go. I want to play uh, the game. Oh, yeah. I want to play uh, the game. Yes. Could you imagine if, like, Doug Collins came play, out uh, and Adam Silver and made the Sixers pick? <laughs> like, as, like, a, as, like that Doug Collins' music. Like, no, no, don't, don't, wait. They you use call me Brown again. <laughs> oh, shit. Why? Oh, my God. Can you imagine if they used the Saw music when he came out? <laughs> you know, I think that's a possibility. Wow, that's weird. My mic's being weird. Hold on, let me change mics. Oh, no. Is it better now? There we go. It's better. My mic was being weird. All right, you ready? Yeah, let's go. All right. Would you? This is a quick one, a short one. Would you rather have really huge nipples, like five and a half, six inches in diameter? Okay, so like wide, not pointy. Yes, Maybe a little more pointy than normal, but not super pointy. Sure. Or one normal size nipple, but in the middle of your chest. <laughs> just one. Wait, so a third nipple or just one? Nipple? <laughs> just one nipple. Uh, give me just give me one nipple, man. I'm a guy. I don't need two. Yeah. Give me one. Okay. Give, me one give me one normal size nipple in my sternum. <laughs> It'll be great. <laughs> your shirts with you got to be careful with the tight shirts, or when You're it's right. cold out. I, I would use like what, like just like nipple tape. Don't girls have like nipple tape? Isn't that a thing? No, I've used it when I when I used to run. Actually, you use it because I thought, I thought you were going to say when you used to be fat. I no, I just sworn you were going to say that, and I was really hoping that. that was okay. <laughs> no, when I was a runner, I did. Yeah, uh, I'd use nipple tape so I wouldn't like lactate onto my like <laughs> the center of my chest. All That's right, where I sweat anyway. The podcast is over. <laughs> she <laughs> she right. wouldn't lactate. All I right, all right, goodbye. Like I said, won't you hate, son? Don't take a second. Check it out.